Houston Dynamo, Portland Timbers, Sporting Kansas, Los Angeles Galaxy, HMAS, Toronto FC, Salt Lake, Chicago Fire, Columbus Crew, FC Dallas, York Red Bulls, Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. Welcome to Pitch Pass. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the only show of its kind covering Major League Soccer. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good, right? If you've been here from the beginning of the show, I mean, back in the day, thank you so much for coming along. And if you're new, well, we appreciate you coming aboard and listening. Now, spread the word. Tell some people about the only show of its kind in Major League Soccer. PitchPass.com. That's our website. If you didn't get the podcast through there, hit up the site every once in a while just to see what we got going on there. If you subscribed other ways, like iTunes, thank you very much for doing that. Now, leave a comment or rate the show. That helps us in some way that I'm not really sure how it does. I don't handle the technical aspects. That I leave to Mark McClure and Kyle Sheldon, the two great men behind the scenes. And they've put together a really, really good show for this evening. It's going to be a little L.A. Galaxy-centric, but we are going to touch on some other things as well. Mike McGee of the L.A. Galaxy will join us later to talk Galaxy and some other things. But first, the man who called the match for NBC Sports Network between the Los Angeles Galaxy and Sporting Kansas City this past weekend. Arlo White joins us on Pitch Pass. Although when we were queuing him up, it sounded like there was a little something going on in the background. Arlo, are are you good? Are you ready to go? Yeah, no, that's fine. No, no, it's okay. Okay. Let's go for it. Yeah, who's, who's presenting tonight? Uh, Greg Roach. That's me. I, I am oh, the presenter. Right. Okay, I'm yep. the presenter. Um, okay, gotcha. I like that you used a little uh, little English terminology on me in the presenter role. I like that. That's right. No, I should have said host, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> how often? Okay. How often do you have to do that whole think about what I'm going to say in relation to a UK audience versus an American audience? Um, not too often, to be honest with you, Greg. I mean, I think if I if I lapse into sort of Anglo terminology, that people will pretty much understand what I mean. Um, I mean, I do face that on those dilemmas almost on a daily basis, and particularly when I'm commentating as well and broadcasting. Uh, but I think people generally get what I mean. You know, uh, my mate Russ Thaler on on NBC to me as a presenter, he's actually in America. He's a host, isn't he? But you know, I'm, I'm constantly <laughs> making mistakes, but I think people kind of get what I'm saying. Now, did Rebecca, after everything was announced, did, has she been in touch with you, like just going through? Okay, what are some of the things that I probably should avoid saying as far as vernacular is concerned? Uh, no, we have been talking extensively, but it's normally about boring things like how to get an American driving license and things <laughs> like that, you know, because I'm the guy that's been through it all before. Um, so I'm the font of all knowledge on relocating to the States. Um, no, I don't think so. Look, I, it, it's very strange how how British people genuinely, uh, generally, I should say, recoil in horror at the mention of the word soccer. And what annoys me about that reaction is that it's, an actu- it's actually a British phrase. It comes from association football. Yeah. So I grew up in the Midlands of England watching a highlights program on ITV called Star Soccer. So it, it's not <laughs> as if it's just made in America. It really isn't. But it seems to be that dilemma. And every time I say soccer to a Brit, you know, they say, oh, you've been there too long, and they, they moan and whinge about it. I say soccer proudly, and I understand why that phrase is used here, because it differentiates between the main sort of football, NFL, college football. So I get it, and I don't mind at all. I've been very much Americanized. But uh, no, I'm sure we'll have that chat at some stage, Rebecca and I, um, and she will, she will decide herself which way to go, I think. Well, I've got a ton of questions about NBC Sports Network's deal uh, to broadcast the Barclays Premier League, 
Premier League next year. But I, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit on what's going on in the league at the moment. Do you think, and this is your opinion only, did you call the match between the two best teams this past weekend? Uh, you, you could make a very strong case that, that LA and Sporting Kansas City, you know, might be an MLS Cup. Um, I think FC Dallas would have something to say about that. Maybe in the, even the Montreal Impact might have something to say about that. Maybe a team that perhaps hasn't started particularly well will come through and strong um, as the season progresses, which is a long season. We're nowhere near the dog days of summer yet when the likes of the Houston Dynamo uh, traditionally do well. But at this stage of the season, um, the players on show at the Home Depot Centre on Saturday night, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the game. I don't know what you thought about it, Greg, but to me, there was some high-quality soccer played. The likes of Robbie Keane didn't have his greatest night in front of goal, but the unselfishness and the awareness of the assist for Landon Donovan and his general play was absolutely fantastic. Donovan showing great fitness to keep up with him uh, to provide the outlet for that second goal uh, and the assist for the first goal for Saab. That's absolutely terrific. Sporting Kansas City, good for them. They played 75 hours earlier in, in New Jersey. Yeah. And Peter Bermese's response to that was not to wrap his players in cotton wool. It was a national TV audience. They were playing against the champions. And he told us the night before, we are in the entertainment business. And he put the same 11 out. I think he should be applauded for that. And, and Sporting Kansas City should be applauded for trying to play their natural game. In the end, they didn't quite have the legs. Uh, and and uh, LA ran out sort of 2 0 winners. But Graham Zussi was terrific again. You know, you can see Benny Fail Harbors playing while having a really good season. So I thoroughly enjoyed the game, and you wouldn't bet against that being the MLS Cup final. I, I want to, and I wouldn't ask this question to a lot of people, but you, you've been going back and forth across the pond, if you will, uh, a lot lately. Is Beckham's success, and I'm using that term in quotation marks, uh, for Paris Saint-Germain, is that another little check mark to the the stature of MLS uh, in throughout the world? Undoubtedly, for for him to go back to Europe at, at his age, thirty seven, and to feature for for Paris Saint-Germain, not least in the first half or the first fifty or sixty minutes of a Champions League quarterfinal against Barcelona, I think speaks volumes for Major League Soccer. It means that you don't necessarily have to come here to retire. You can still you know, stay competitive. The league is competitive. The standard is rising all the time. And to me as well, it's not just David Beckham. It's players like Jeff Cameron going into a tough environment at Stoke and starting pretty much every week. It's a Stuart Holden doing as well as he's done, you know, pre- previous to his, his injury problems. You know, Brett Shea seems to be uh, rated quite highly by Stoke, if he can just shake this, this injury that he's got. Roger Espinoza had a good run in the Wigan side. It's, it's not just the Beckhams of this world. It's the what so-called everyday players in Major League Soccer, although they stood out in our league, but to go over to Premier League clubs and, and to, to get into the team and to be respected and to have good seasons, I think speaks even more about the, the, the quality of Major League Soccer these days. Yeah, I completely agree with you as an MLS fan. Um, I guess the reason I, I pointed out Beckham is because Beckham, Jeff Cameron is not going to be a global story if he succeeds no. at Stoke, whereas Beckham was thought to be being put out the pasture by coming to the States. And so for him to do his time in the U.S. and then go back over and walk right back into a Champions League team, that's what I, I wanted to get the perspective on a global impact of that and how that's being perceived. Again, just to just to sort of emphasize the point, really. I mean, it, it, it does say that Major League Soccer is not necessarily a league to go and retire in. 
you can go and spell, uh, spend a spell of your career, albeit a very tail end of David's career. You know, these are the dying embers of what has been a glittering uh, and magnificent career for him. Um, but it doesn't mean necessarily that that's it for you as a professional soccer player on, on a global scale. You can go to Major League Soccer at some point during your career and spend a year, two years, five years in David Beckham's case, and still go back to Europe and still play Champions League soccer. So I think that's terrific for the league. If it wasn't as competitive as it is, David Beckham would go back not fit enough. He'd go back. He would have lost his edge, I'm sure. But he's had to stay on top of his game to be the success that he's been in Los Angeles. And I think we're seeing the benefits of that at Paris Saint-Germain now. And I'm sure that each time this happens, whether it's at the scale uh, and level of David Beckham and it, or it's at the scale and level of, of Jeff Cameron, professional soccer players in Europe and around the world are looking each time when something like this happens and says, oh, maybe that could be an option in the future. Now, obviously, the, the check has to be right. <laughs> you know, for them to be tempted, it's all about the money, isn't it? But I think the perception of the league is changing on an almost monthly basis, leave alone an annual basis at the moment. And David Beckham going back and playing for Paris Saint-Germain didn't harm that at all. And I like that going back into the league and back into LA Galaxy, that the club more so missed a beat without Landon than not having Beckham in the team. And you can see Landon Donovan as he integrates himself back into the squad. Um, it's not a situation where you take the guy who everybody perceives outside the United States as the best player in the league, you take him out and the team falls apart. The, the team is still an MLS Cup contender, if not the favorite. Oh, absolutely. And, and you, could, you could make a strong argument, Greg, that the LA Galaxy missed Omar Gonzalez at the start of last year more than they ever missed Landon Donovan and David Beckham. Yeah. You know, they, they, they had such a terrible start last year. And then Gonzalez comes back and then everyone starts firing on all cylinders because they suddenly could defend. And, and then the, the designated players, Keane, Beckham and Donovan, did superbly and they went on to win MLS Cup. They started this season in terrific fashion. Though you're speaking to Mike McGee tonight, who's been absolutely brilliant for them early in the season. He told me last week, that, and the NBC guys, Kyle and Russ as well, in our meeting before the game, that he felt at the start of the season that with Beckham having left, with Donovan uh, not back with the squad yet, and with Robbie Keane injured, he felt he had to stand up. And he got those five goals in the opening three games, and they got some vital points on the board to, to ensure that history didn't repeat itself. You know, Gonzalez is playing lights out at the back, but to me it's the likes of McGee, Gonzalez, uh, Juninho, Sarbas, you know, Villarreal, McBean, Franklin, Donovan. These guys have been terrific for this team over the last couple of years. Uh, and we'll see what LA does in terms of a third designated play. You know, team, but people appear to, uh, to be banding around the same uh, English name, if you like. And if he comes in, if it is Frank Lampard with his work ethic, then how could anybody beat the LA <laughs> I mean, the playoff system gives people a chance, but the playoffs are when these big-time players come good. Um, so I'd say that, you know, Donovan is back. Absolutely no question about it. Beckham at the moment isn't being missed. But if, if Gonzalez went down again, they, 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 you know, probably would struggle in the same way they did last year. So maybe he's a more important piece of the puzzle than we first thought. You brought up Mike McGee. We will be talking to him after, after this conversation. I'm not going to ask him this because I, I don't think that he will give a, an answer. I don't, and no offense to the, to him to not give the answer, but I, I just don't think that he would know the answer. So I'll ask you, uh, in the four years, years that you've been here in the States covering the league, what's what's changed about Mike McGee that he is in the form that he is in? And I'm not even talking about like this year, even last year when he really started to emerge. Uh, you're seeing the Mike McGee, the seeds were planted in 2012 that are now really blooming in 2013. What's changed for, in the four years that you've been watching Mike McGee? Um, 
talking to him last week, he obviously prefers playing up top. And Bruce Arena prefers him playing wide in midfield. And I think you see an increased production out of Mike when he does play up top. It's just a position that he really enjoys playing in. And it was fascinating talking to him about his emergence and, and, and his um, journey uh, as a professional soccer player. And when he was in New York in the early days, if he missed a chance, it would, he would dwell on it for 15, 20, 25 minutes. And it would affect the rest of his evening. If he scored a goal, a goal early, he'd think his job was done. And he'd look back at the tapes and realize, actually, he had a stinker but managed to score a goal. So I think there's a maturation process uh, that's happened with, with Mike McGee. And I think you're seeing the benefit of that now. He, he actually would want some of that time back early on in his career where he feels he perhaps wasted it because he, his, the, the onus and his priorities were wrong. Now, if he scores a goal, it's not just about the goal, it's about the all-round performance. And if he doesn't score a goal, he doesn't get hung up on it, or he misses a chance, he doesn't get hung up on it, he gets his head up and he carries on with the game. So you're seeing a more 90-minute focused player in, in Mike McGee, and therefore, to my view, and I think to Mike's as well, this is what he was insinuating, you're seeing a more consistent performer these days. Let's talk about the team that you used to do the play-by-play for, and that's Seattle Sounders. They picked up their first win uh, over the weekend. Is this the start of their turnaround, or do they still have some holes that they need to fill? Well, it's very interesting, and I I still watch them very closely, the Seattle Sounders. Obviously, the organization is very dear to my heart for giving me the opportunity and and having two fabulous years in Seattle. And it's it's unusual, Greg, because when I look back to, to 2010 and my arrival in Seattle, at the start of my first season, their second as a franchise, you know they won four out of their opening 16 games. Wow. Um, and I was running out of um, <laughs> excuses <laughs> because it was, it, to me, I was, I was kind of poacher-turned gamekeeper. I was used to sort of being on the BBC asking people about crisis teams and what's going on and this is terrible and should the manager be easily fired. <laughs> and now and you're the, the guy team, covering the guy yeah, of the crisis team. <laughs> exactly. And I'm the guy saying, well, no, I think everything's fine. I'm sure they'll be, this is going to turn around any minute, you know. And luckily it did because they won, so what, four out of 16, so there were 14 games left. And I think they won 10 or 11 out of those four. Got into the playoffs, won the US Open Cup, and the second half of the season was a magic ride. It really was. And then 2011 was was terrific as well. They went even further than ever in 2012, albeit not winning the US Open Cup for the first time. They got to the final. So 2013, a lot expected of them. And I I was in camp with them in Tucson. We did their preseason friendly, the Desert Diamond Cup final against Real Salt Lake. And there was a real sense of of confidence, of swagger going into the season. Chris Henderson, the technical director, was about to jet off to Spain to to bring over Femi Martins back. And that sort of lingered into the season. And then Eddie Johnson's been in and out with international appearances and with injury. And, And they got off to a very, very poor start. And I think they were surprised by it. So I think this has been a dose of smelling salts for them. Perhaps there was a sense of of just going out onto the field and everything was going to happen and they were going to be a top side. And they've been reminded that it's a very, very difficult league. So when you get Eddie Johnson and Femi Martins playing consistently together, maybe Mauro Rosales comes good in the second half of the season as he, as he has done so far in his MLS career. You know, and, and Mario Martinez can contribute and Ozzy Alonso. We know they're a good side. So maybe that was the start of something, a tough road trip down to Colorado, coming away with, a, with uh, three points. Maybe it's the start of something, but they do need to string those wins together because Dallas are running away at the top yeah. of the web. Yep. Uh, well, I want you to break a little news for us, Arlo. When are you, when are you leaving? 
Well, we don't have an exact date, but it's, it's probably going to be sometime in early July, I would have thought, um, in order to get my family back, to get us settled, to get the furniture delivered again. It's, I mean, this is the most travelled sofa, um, <laughs> I think, in the world at the moment. I mean, it doesn't know whether it's coming or going. It's, it's been a, literally a whirlwind. It's absolutely incredible what's happened. I'm going to miss the United States, and I'm going to miss Major League Soccer, but it's not, I don't think it's it. You know, I don't think it's the end. Um, there are already plans afoot to come back to the playoffs. Um, and I, I would like to keep in touch with the league for as much as I possibly can, you know, for as long as the schedule allows. Uh, I, this is just, this is not... This is not goodbye to Major League Soccer for me. I love the league too much. I love the United States too much. But it's a wonderful opportunity to go back, back to the homeland, a lot earlier than expected. Um, The kids get to be with their grandparents again, which I suppose is is an enormous bonus. And, And for me to call Premier League, is a dream come true. So um, the next three years are going to be very exciting, but I'll be keeping tabs on Major League Soccer for sure. Yeah, I was trying to think of the of the correlation as to what you were doing and and the reaction to what you were doing. No one is begrudging you. No one no one feels like there's any hard feelings. It, like you said, it was a, a situation where it's like, hey, they came calling. You got to go for that situation. And it's almost like a designated player or a, a guy or a young player who was homegrown and then like Andy Nahar, and it's like. When a bid comes in and it's time to go, we know that this is the time to, for this person to move along and move up. And I think that's been kind of the attitude that you've been seeing in all the media. And it says a lot about what people thought about how you have assimilated into MLS and have called the games. Well, it's nice of you to say, Greg, and I will take the young guy analogy any day of the week and, and twice on Sundays, you know. Um, it, well, it's, it's strange because, you know, having come to Seattle, um, that was to me where I was going to make my life and, and my family were going to make our lives. And we were, we were very happy there. And it would have taken something incredible to take me away from the Seattle Sounders football club because I, I had such a wonderful time calling the games and being part of that organization. Uh, and then NBC came calling, and you're like, right, okay, well, that's amazing. And yep. NBC Sports is amazing, and you get to call Olympic Games as well. And, and getting to call the U.S. women's national team en route to their gold medal at Wembley was just incredible. Um, in my in my home Olympics as well, you know, the, the you know it wasn't lost to me that this was the London Games as well that all of a sudden I had an opportunity to be part of. But then you think, okay, well, you know, I guess Connecticut is where we're going to be making our lives for the foreseeable future. And then all of a sudden they do a deal with the Premier League and then I'm asked to do that. And it's like, oh my goodness, you know, now, now is another opportunity. And there always seems to be, or certainly in the last three years, one opportunity that you cannot, however happy you are and content you are in the situation you're in, there's been another opportunity that just seems to usurp it. Um, and I didn't come, and, and I, I complete full disclosure and honesty here, I did not come to the United States to Major League Soccer as a route back to England. That was never my plan. Um, it just happens that it's turned out like that. And, and you know, there's part of me that's absolutely delighted and proud and excited about it. And as I say, there's part of me that has a bit of a heavy heart at leaving Major League Soccer and leaving the United States because I do love this country and I love this league. Uh, but we'll see what happens. And it's been, a, it's been a magnificent three, three and a half years. And as I say, hopefully it's not the end. Plus, you don't have to worry about your kids losing their accent now. I know, I know. Well, yeah, I mean, my wife won't be disappointed with that. I mean, my one of, I've got twins, identical twins, and one got off the books on the first day of kindergarten and said, hey, Daddy, I love school. And I thought that you know, one day, one day that took, you know. So uh, <laughs> that's going to be interesting to see them reassimilate back home. 
I do want to ask you a question about NBC's commitment to MLS as it pertains to the to the Premier League. Um, I, I think I'm one of the people in the minority who who is a little bit concerned that MLS then will rightly so in some cases take a backseat to the Premier League. But also I'm worried that the 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 country's league will lose a little bit of its focus on on this network's platform now that they've got the big boy also on the roster well it's a debate that's certainly worth having but i can from within the organization i can tell you that major league soccer is incredibly important to the nbc sports network um, and I'm not involved in any rights talks, you know. Yes, and I know of course. That, you know, the initial deal is three years, and we're in, you know, just the start of the second year. So I guess there'll be some talks that will open maybe later on this year or early next, I guess, about about renewing that deal. Um, from my perspective, NBC Sports Network and NBC Sports becomes more of a hub for the soccer fan, and there will be cross-promotion. I don't necessarily think, and I haven't seen the schedules, but... Say, for example, there won't be those direct lead-ins that, that, that proved to be so popular and, and successful for ESPN last year during the European Championships. I think one uh, Sounders-Timbers game got something like 850,000 uh, viewers, which was incredible because it was, it was just on the, on the back of England against Italy in the, in the European Championship, the less said about which the better, <laughs> um, the, the result. Um, so I don't know whether there'll be actual lead-ins, but there's certainly going to be a lot of cross-promotion. And I don't see how Major League Soccer can suffer as a result of being on a platform, being, being on a channel that suddenly a stampede, hopefully, of soccer fans will go to, the recognition of the channel, the number, where it is on your, on your cable or your satellite box, and, and then being pointed towards Major League Soccer because the game will happen later on that afternoon or that evening. I just don't see how that will be a bad thing. And the volume of MLS games, you look at the commitment that NBC Sports Network has made to Major League Soccer in terms of the sheer volume of games, the amount of double headers we do, Kyle, Russ and I getting on planes on Sunday mornings, having been in Dallas the night before, suddenly 24 hours later we're in, we're in uh, Portland and we love it <laughs> uh, because there are something like 50 games in, in the annual package. So I think that's a great commitment. That will continue. Contract talks about renewing is out of my hands and that will happen down the line. But I don't see it. I don't see that it being anything other than a positive for Major League Soccer, but I also, I also know and I understand the vigilance on, on behalf of the Major League Soccer fan that they ensure that NBC Sports Network still treats with the respect that it deserves, and I can tell you that they will. Well, and the other positive thing is that you will be in the chair calling the matches in the Premier League, but also when you do have to read the promos, you're not just a guy who's who's English who is just reading a promo of of a, something they know nothing about. Yeah. You will be able to tell stories about MLS as you're calling the matches from the Premier League. I totally agree with you. I'll know that you know top you know FC. If, if I've got a promo that says FC Dallas against you know I don't know the LA Galaxy, I know that that's a top two battle in the yeah. Western Conference. You know, I know that the protagonists are there. Blas Perez is scored in five straight games or something <laughs> because I'll still be following the league. So yeah, I agree with you. To have someone. You know, uh, like me, I guess, in this scenario with with a massive familiarity with Major League Soccer, I don't think harms as well. Arlo, we're going to miss you. We're really going to miss you. We'll treasure you for the next couple of months until you uh, you head back over. And uh, thank you very much for always being giving of your time as well. And, and I appreciate the time that you, we, we've talked on our on a couple of our podcasts. And thank you and best of luck to you. And I know you're going to have a blast back over there. Well, Greg, thanks very much, and, and, and thanks for your support as well. It does mean a lot to me, and thanks to the listeners. And uh, as I say, it's not the end, and you've got my number. So uh, maybe when I, in the early days of the Premier League, just give me a call, and, uh, 
and uh, I can give you some tales from over there as well. Thank you, Arlo White. We appreciate it. Take care. Absolutely. One of the good guys in MLS, Arlo White. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a little different without him. But having said that, in regards to the last thing that we talked about, it's going to be a really, really great thing to have a fan of MLS in the position that Arlo is going to be in calling Premier League matches. Let's move on because I think I'm going to cry. Arlo called his last match. Arlo gave us a little insight as to the maturation of this man. He's your MLS Player of the Month for March, so I guess he's your reigning Player of the Month. From the Los Angeles Galaxy, it's Mike McGee. Mike, how are you? I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Although, Mike, I'm, I'm on hold waiting to talk to you. There's, there's Chivas USA highlights in the background on the hold music. What's going on, man? Wait, wait, there's what? Like, when I'm on hold, I was waiting to talk to you. So while we were on hold, they were showing, like, the loop of buying Chivas USA tickets. Oh, man, that's Justin. Is Justin, you still on the line? Yeah. I am. That's the, the lovely home defense guy. <laughs> Mike, you are, the reigning, hell, you are the reigning MLS player of the month. Use some of that juice to get it all Galaxy on the hold music, please. Yeah, I know. You'd think so, right? <laughs> so how are you? How are things? Oh, things are really good. I'm down in Manhattan Beach in the town right now. God, look at you! Look I'm gonna at walk, you! I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk into my car where it's quiet. But I was walking through a zone that never gets any uh, any service. I, 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 I'm a little upset, dude, because I'm, I'm wearing long pants. I got, I wore a jacket to work today. Um, and now you're telling me <laughs> eh, I'm just walking through Manhattan Beach. Sorry, sorry, bad area. You know how the beaches are, right? <laughs> it's too. It's so sunny. I'm getting bad. Uh, <laughs> Sunspots are killing me here. How how yeah, much how much do you uh do you bust it bust balls to your friends and family back home in Chicago when you are living the LA lifestyle? Well, I've i stopped busting their balls, but literally when I first when I first came out here, it was a uh, it was pretty much all, all I talk about. Obviously, there's a little bit there's little jabs here and there, but for the most part, I, I try to just leave them alone. I'm starting to I'm starting to feel bad for them. Yeah, I mean, after a while, it's not fun anymore because. At the end of the day, you are living in L.A. and they are in freezing cold Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Don't get me wrong. I, I think Chicago is the best city in the world, but especially around this time of the year, I, uh, it's too easy for me to uh, you know give them banter when they're in the thirty degree weather. Now, are you at the point yet where going and playing in cold weather matches does that now negatively affect you? Because I'm sure when you first started, it was like whatever cold weather. But are you now L.A. acclimated in the negative way as well? Uh, slightly, but I think for games, it's still, it's still better for me. Obviously the Brazilians are terrible in cold weather, but, um, you know, I still, I still do better for some guys. Well, the most of the time when I, when I realize it, when I go home and, uh, when I go back home in December, I remember back when I was younger, I would never need a jacket. I would never, never even notice it. And now since I've, since I moved to LA every year, every year, the winter's still a little colder. Do you? I can't remember the last cold weather match you played. Did you rock short sleeves? Are you still doing the short sleeves? Or are you long sleeve and gloves now? Last year in the playoffs was pretty cold in Seattle. I did. Uh, I did short sleeves. Um, that was the rainy game. Um, that I think we lost two to one. But yeah, I did. I, I have to do short sleeves always. You you talked about the Brazilians and how they they don't really do well in the cold climates. Do when do they start their their whining about it? Is it week of looking at weather reports? Is it is it in the locker room? And then what what does the bitching consist of? I don't think they even noticed it. I don't even think, for them it's not even almost not even a possibility. So they won't notice it right until about the time we get off the plane, and then it, it hits them, like, <laughs> it, it, it hits them upside the head, and it's, it's pretty it's pretty comical, actually, because I don't think they understand like really what's going on. Uh, I, I was just listening to an interview that you 
did. You helped out Ryan Seacrest. I guess you co-hosted the morning show for, for that segment uh, with the prom thing. That was very cool of you. It was nice of you to do that. A co-host might be a bit strong. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, I think the kid won a like a limo and a dress and all all kind of haircuts and and everything. So that's that's pretty. I wish I had that. Yeah, but the cool thing was he Seacrest is rattling off everything that he won, which was a lot of basically got his prom paid for. Uh, and he was just like the whole time, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. But as soon as you come <laughs> on, he gets all excited when you tell him you're getting the VIP treatment. I know. I didn't want to call out Seacrest, but no, I was thinking. I was thinking the exact same thing. So that was, that was definitely cool. Um, and so then it got me thinking: Did you ever go to your prom? I know you went to your girlfriend's prom. That was a very famous story about scoring the first goal and then dancing. But did you ever get to go to your prom? I n- I think I went to two proms, but no, I, I didn't get to go to uh, well, both both schools I went to, but it was it was past because when I went to Bradington. I guess I finished high school and all of high school in about two and a half years, so I think it would have been impossible to have one. So it was my, all, everyone I grew up with in in Elmhurst, Illinois. I, w- I went to that prom, and then uh, I went to one in Florida as well, which that was kind of a w- wasn't much of a prom. Well, first of all, very nice humble brag to you to throw that in very offhandedly. I graduated high school in two and a half years, so I'm not really sure. It was very nicely done. No, that's not it's not what you think. It has nothing to do with me being smart or. Uh, getting ahead in my studies as much as I as much as I'd like to believe that, but but that the whole Bradington schooling thing was kind of a uh, um, I bypassed a lot of work that other kids had to do. Luckily, so wait, Bradenton had a prom. Uh looking back, I'm not sure if it was called. We, yeah, I think we I think we called it a prom. There was that, a... or we just made up another dance and yeah, we there... all just made ourselves believe it was prom to feel like feel like normal kids. Well, pardon my ignorance. Did they ha- are there girls at Bradenton? <laughs> I can't tell if you're taking a cheap shot of me or not. <laughs> no, I I I'm, I'm actually yeah, asking if they're no, Oh, wait, there's there's, there's a tennis there's academy there. There's all the tennis girls. Yeah, the tennis girls. Uh, who who weren't bad looking at all. Um and there's, there's even there's soccer there's, they had soccer teams there they had lots of tennis players, um, and then there was there was like local schools and stuff. So all right, there, there was a girl. All right, so but the, but your your move was crashing your old high school's prom. That was that was your prom basically. Yeah, that was that was my prom for sure. So we we just got the phone with Arlo White and uh, he called the match obviously against uh, Sporting Kansas City that you guys just played in and and he said he was it was talking to you and I wasn't going to ask his question because I didn't know if you were going to give me a, a, a legit answer or you just kind of say I don't really know but I I asked him to explain your kind of evolution especially in the last few years from a guy that was in the league to now a guy that's excelling in the league and one of the things that he said that you mentioned was the fact of when you were a younger player, you didn't really put a full 90 in. And, and one of the things he said that was interesting was you, you said that if you scored a goal uh, at the be- and early in the match, you kind of felt like your job was done and the rest of the match kind of floated through. Is is, is that kind of what was what the gist of what you said? Uh, yeah, that's accurate. I, mean, I think there was just such a, there's such a big difference between the atmosphere in New York and the, and the atmosphere in, in, in LA, obviously. And, you know, somewhere in the middle of there, I had a bad injury that, um, you know, kind of made things a little, a little clearer and put, put soccer into perspective for me. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, it was just, uh, I, I, I was kind of, obviously you grow up as a kid playing soccer and you kind of walk around until you get your chance and you score a goal and you're happy and, you know, you try to score another goal and, 
Um, and, and being a kid who's five foot, five foot nine, 150 pounds, um, you know, who, who doesn't have much speed, um, you know, you, you have to do a lot more than that to stay on the field and to be, to be effective in the league. So I guess, you know, the sooner I learned that, obviously the better. Well, I'm not going to let that one comment you made pass without asking you to explain it. What what's the difference between a New York atmosphere and an LA atmosphere? Just the. Uh, I mean, also, keeping in mind, I mean, keeping in mind, you were of, you were playing a giant stadium at that point, not at Red Bull Arena, so that probably hurts no, the atmosphere. No, I, I, I trained day in and day out on turf in giant stadium, and when we wouldn't train there, we'd drive 20 minutes to another turf high school stadium that was somehow worse turf than New York. And, <laughs> I mean, I think by the time I was 21 years old, I was the longest tenured player on the on the Metro Stars or Red Bull or whatever we were at the time, and the front office was changing. I was there for six years. I think I had six different head coaches. And, um, you know, there was just there, – there was not much to – there wasn't much of a, a blueprint of how to be a good pro and how to – how to do the right things and, and, and a steady veteran player who was there from, from day one who could kind of just put me in my place for all the, all the younger, all the other younger guys too, for that matter. And just, you know, obviously that sounds like a lot of excuses, but, you know, looking back, it's, it, it's, LA has everything that New York didn't. And New York's obviously doing great now. Red Bull's coming yeah. in. And, um, you know, they got the stadium and they're trying to do all the right things, but LA's doing it, been doing it for a long time. And you've, from the day I got here, it's so easy to see what what a professional environment is. Do you still keep in touch with uh, Eddie Gavin? No, I don't. But obviously, when I, we were lockers next to each other, so I mean, when I see him, it's it's uh it's it's always a good face to see, and we 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 laugh and and tell funny stories. But you know, he, he's he's another guy who um, you know kind of flourished once he once he got out of New York. Yeah, and and the reason I brought him up is you two were in a very similar situation and and kind of still are where it was like you started out really really young and so people now think that you're older than you are and both of you now are are have now come into your own as you are hitting your prime and so I guess the question is if if you had to do it again would you, would you lay it out the same way and that starting as a teenager in the league or would you try the college route. I personally would not have tried the college route. I mean, it would have been, I think it would have been fun and, and interesting to, to do all the, uh, you know, stuff college kids get to do, but, you know, school was never really my thing. And then on top of that, I just, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be the, be the player I was today. Or, um, you know, there's, there's so many things that even, even in my worst times in soccer, there was so many, you know, amazing things I got to do and see. And, um, you know, even when the negative things kind of come around it, 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 it's it's uh you know for me personally it's it ended up uh you know kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah, and I feel like that if you had taken a few years to figure, you would have taken a few years as you first got in the league, no matter what. And it's better to do that at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen than twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, and then you're next thing you know you're thirty two, and then finally figuring out whether as whereas you are now twenty eight, it's like oh, I figured it out, and I've still got a lot of prime left in me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and like I said, you know, these everything that's happened to me, bad and good and and everything. I know it's pretty cliche to say, but um, you know, it all kind of happens for a reason. And you know, luckily I've I've uh, you know learned from my mistakes and um, you know gotten to celebrate a couple of championships and um, you know seen a lot of things that a lot of college kids haven't seen. It seems as if before Landon got back, you were relishing the role of being 
one of the guys. Um, and without Landon, without Beckham, you you kind of filled that void and, and and took up the mantle. Is that something that you consciously thought of in the offseason as as things started to progress, or is it just one of those things where you were out just you're just out playing and these things are happening? No, I, yeah, I definitely made a mental note of it. I mean, obviously, um, Robbie's only played, he just played in his third. You know, we've had six games. Robbie's only played in three of them. Landon's only played in two of them. And David's obviously um, living lavishly in, in France. So <laughs> I, I, made a, I made a note to myself that, you know, I got I to gotta just score goals and take chances. And, um, you know, kind of when those guys are playing, sometimes your, your main focus is on, you know, trying to get them the ball or, or trying to do their defensive work or, which is correct because those guys do so many special things no one else can. But with them not there, I, you know, I, I took it as my my chance to, um, you know, shoot the ball and do do some things that um, uh, were better for me to try to try to get a goal and do do that aspect because the team the team definitely needed it. Mike, I'm going to tell you something that you might not be aware of. Beckham is actually not making he's not drawing a salary for Paris Saint Germain, so he's not probably living very lavishly. He's probably on a strict strict budget. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you guys were, uh, I'm in Washington, D.C. You guys were in town not too long ago and not to play. You were here to hang out uh, and do some FaceTime with the president. How was that for you? Well, that was, that. that's amazing. Um, you know, there's little things like that that kind of, uh, you know, open your eyes a little bit and realize how, how blessed you are. And, um, you know, it's kind of along those same lines of just doing things that, you know, you, you never really dream of doing. And then to get to do it twice is, um, you know, it's pretty unique and cool. And, you know, I think, you know, starting from the day I retire to the, to the day I die, it'll be one of those things that, um, you know, a story that will keep popping up, which is, um, which is, you know, amazing, I think. That seems like one of those things that when you, when it's on the schedule, you're like, ah, I'm in Toronto. I just want to fly home and now I've got to fly somewhere else to do this and then go back. And we did it last year. But then once you get into the White House, you're like, oh, snap. Okay. Now this is really cool again. You're exactly right, and I mean, we all, we all feel the same way. You know, just I want to get home, and it's the same way with, uh, you know, when we 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 call these friendlies with like Real Madrid, or you know, we kind of see them, and it, it seems like a pain or inconvenience at the time, and all of a sudden you, you know, game day comes around, and you step on the field, and it's it's uh you know it's it's so special, and you know like it's just one of those things that, that most people don't get to do, and you you definitely cherish it. Did you get to speak with him, Chicago boy to Chicago boy? Uh, I got to speak with him, but no, I didn't. I didn't bring it up. Not Why not? You got to find the thing that gets you guys together. He might ask you to shoot some hoops with him. I feel like every single person from Chicago probably says that to him. <laughs> so I'm, like I said, not really my style. One day, I'll bump into him one day in Chicago on the streets, and I'll, I'll let him know. Uh, so what did you say to him? Uh, just oh. hello, hello, sir. Again, <laughs> nothing, nothing, uh, no, nothing cool or crazy or nothing to. Uh, right home by. are you and i because I, I haven't seen the picture but are you prominently featured in the the photo like the official photo with with him like with you guys i must not have been because the year before i was and i think i got about 400 texts and this year i didn't getting get <laughs> i got a couple but so yeah i must not have been in the been in the uh the main photo stupid omar getting in front of me towering over top of me blocking me out 
I know, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't see over Omar's head. <laughs> Mike, thank you, man. Um, I'll let you get back to Manhattan Beach. I know you've probably got a lot of important things going on walking around on the beaches and stuff, so <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, got, I, still, I still got here at Starbucks. Too, so. <laughs> thank you very much. We appreciate you giving us some time. All right, thanks, Rick. show information, go to pitchpass.com.